You want the facts? We want to share them with you. Together, we'll boldly unpack the deeper truths inside the real estate industry's most relevant issues. This is Getting Real with Rob. Here's your host, Rob Namfeld. Hello, and welcome to Getting Real with Rob. Today, our special guest is Jason Sane, the House Conference Chair for the North Carolina House, as well as the Senior Appropriations Chairman. Welcome, Jason. Thank you, Rob, for having me. Thanks for coming in. Well, as is our usual custom, we will begin with our lightning round of questions to get to know the real side of Jason. I am ready for that. I hope you have some background music, though. <laughs> oh, we should add that. We I'm going to make a note. Thank <laughs> you. All right. First question. What is your secret favorite Southern food. Secret favorite Southern food is like a Bojangles Cajun Filet Biscuit combo, right? And that is, that's Southern food. I know that's not my, my mom made, but that is my Southern food. That's my go-to. If I land at the airport and I've been somewhere else, give me the Bojangles. Got to use that and wash down with a monster drink. You're Absolutely 100%, right. 100%. 100%. Okay, next. What was the first Christmas gift you recall receiving as a child? So I don't know if I recall like the very first, first gift, but the one, I'm a Star Wars fan. I'm a Star Wars nut. And so I, I got the AT-AT, the ATA. It's just a big like dog walking thing that they use in Empire Strikes Back. And it's it's ominous and it's part of the dark side of the force and it's all that. And that's the one I remember. And I still have it. I still have it. Wow. Is that worth something now? I'm sure it is. And but more than that, uh, some years later when I was in college, my mom was cleaning out a closet and found two Star Wars figure, Hammerhead and Darth Vader still in the package. Now, I know those are worth something. I still have them in the package and I refuse to check how much they're worth. Because I'm afraid I'd sell them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they're mint too, right? Oh, I'm, oh you betcha. <laughs> All right. Next question. Are you a morning person or a night owl? I am a night owl. I, so, it would, so at 10 o'clock, around 10 o'clock each night is when I start playing Call of Duty. I'm a gamer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that can go anywhere from 10 until sometimes 2. Wow. And then I'm back up at 6. So that's 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 usually my my routine. Four hours of sleep a night. That's about average, yeah. Is that right? Yeah, and that's that's about all I need. Oh, and you seem to function pretty well uh, as a result. You know, you know, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> Jury's still out. Y- on that yet, one. To, okay. yet to be determined. Okay. All right. Uh, next question: What is the number one thing on your bucket list? Uh, bucket list for me, you know, I always love, I love, I love anything warm, right? I, I love the water and I love boating and I love all that. But if, but I think if the one thing I've never done and you see these and I don't care what Island it's off of, but these little homes that are out there in the water where you can spend a week or whatever, I think I would absolutely love that. Probably even love it by myself right? <laughs> <laughs> to really just enjoy being a part of the ocean and, and do that. I've never done that. So somewhere, sometime, some way I'm, I'm going to find a way to do that. That sounds blissful. Yeah. I just spent a week at Disney. I'd love, I'd love a week by myself. Would you like yes, that? I would. Um, <laughs> next question. Is there a language you wish you could speak that you don't? Spanish. I took French in high school. And to me, this is kind of how dysfunctional public schools may be sometimes um, <laughs> <laughs> that we offer French because where are you going to use French? I've yet to go to Montreal. I took French too. Yeah. See, what, mm-hmm. I mean, do you use that every day? No. I mean, but Spanish, I think I would use because you know, when I was in the trucking company, uh, I'd go out to Los Angeles a lot, you know, and deal with, you know, Spanish speaking natives or that was their native tongue. However you want to say that. Um, 
I, you know, and we've got so many people here in North Carolina that their first language is Spanish. I wish I had Spanish. If, if, but I have my my kids taking it, of course, in school because now it's they've thought about it a little mm-hmm. bit. And hey, maybe this is something we should learn. Uh, that was an option in high school for us. You could take French or you could take Spanish. I should have taken Spanish. Yeah. No, I made the same. I made the same mistake. My six year old is schooling me now in it. So yep. fortunate for that. Um, okay. Last question. I mentioned Disney. What's your favorite Disney Disney World ride? Disney World ride, Rise of the Resistance. Uh, that blew me away. I told you I'm a Star Wars fan, mm-hmm. and uh, every time for the first couple of times I was there, that was that was there, it'd be broken or the line was so long couldn't get through. And then someone told me a secret, which I won't share, but I got to ride it twice in a row in one night. Uh, because of this little secret I learned. And, uh, and you're not going to share the secret. Uh, well, okay. Uh, you know what? I've done it. So I can share. <laughs> it was just basically go, you know, 30 minutes before they're going to close the park, get in line. Uh-huh. And, and and we miraculously, I think it's like a Tuesday night, uh, not, not in a, a you know, high traffic season time, but we got to ride it twice in a row. And it was so real. And it was so like being immersed in the movie. Now, I haven't done Guardians, which I understand you might have got to do this time, right? I did. It was fantastic. Best ride ever. Well, I would. For me. For well, me. and I'm a huge Marvel fan. Our family is Marvel, you know, 100%. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I know I would love that. Just haven't done it yet. Mm-hmm. Okay, next time, next time, make it a priority. I will make that a priority. Um, on the Star Wars thing, just before we get off and we get on to our kind of main topic, uh, what what sort of got you into that? Because I, I remember my first memory really is more Return of the Jedi and like how I waited in line around the block to get in for that. Yep. And, and I thought that I was hooked at that point. Uh, well, so in 1977, I guess it would, would have been the year if I, mm-hmm. you know, say I remember correctly, but I, I distinctly remember going into the movie theater with my fat father and um, we waited a little bit in line, you know, and just the anticipation of going to see that movie. And then, you know, the the, the black screen comes up with the stars and the, and the yellow letters and I, just blown away. And and then as as often as I could see it again and again and again and again and again, we did. And, you know, so so dad becomes a Star Wars fan. I'm a Star Wars fan. Um, and I think, too, when when my son, who's now 15, you know, still interested in the Star Wars movies because mm-hmm. they were still coming out, you know, the, the, the newer ones coming out. Uh, we've just we've just been a Star Wars family. And by default, my wife, who you know, grew up with a twin sister, no boys in the household, uh, had to become a Star Wars fan, too. Not that I think it's necessarily a guy or girl thing, but she just wasn't exposed to it. And then when when she you know started dating me and movies were still still coming out, I remember we went to see Phantom Menace when we were dating, mm-hmm. and which is a horrible Star Wars movie. <laughs> uh, but but uh, it's still part of the collection. So it's I still sure. still like it. But but I just I've just always loved it. Of course, at that age, you know, at seven, eight years old, you got the little figures and uh, all the toys and and all that, and then and then my son has just kept it going, and so we 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 can't get enough Star Wars. All right, awesome, awesome. Um, yeah, I, I, the visuals and the creativity, everything, everything at that, that time was really cutting edge. So, all right, moving on to kind of the 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 sort of meat of our uh, topic. Um, tell us a little bit about your, your political journey and, and kind of what, what experiences brought to you to this point in the, in the North Carolina house? Yeah. So I, so I became fascinated with politics around the same time I saw Star Wars, just a little after, uh, Ronald Reagan was running for president. Both my parents were Southern Democrats. Uh, he was a Republican running. I was just enamored with him as a child. I was like, I, I, I like this guy hmm. really drawn to him. And so when they went to vote that year, 1980, I went into the voting booth with with both of them. They, they went at separate times uh, at what was in my elementary school. 
and to vote. And I wanted to make sure that I went in because I knew how they were registered and I wanted to check and make sure they voted for my guy for president, <laughs> which they did. They liked Reagan too. Yeah. And, and that kind of started my journey. And I was always, you know, a little nerdy kid. I liked getting Time Magazine as a child and reading through and knowing what was happening in world events and really following Ronald Reagan. And and then the more I got into it, we had, you know, some of the most pro- prolific Senate races in history with, with the Helms-Hunt races, mm-hmm. uh, Jesse Helms, Jim Hunt. Um, so just became a real political nerd and really just loved history and loved following politics and uh, meeting as many uh, politicians as I could. Uh, I've had Tons of experiences from getting in an elevator with with Strom Thurmond to getting in an elevator uh, with with uh, Ted Kennedy and and speaking to both. I mean, it's 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 been fascinating the things I've been able to do. And, and I tell my son who's fifteen, I say, "Hey, look, always just be dumb enough to ask. Hey, can I go do that thing?" People are going to tell you one or two things, yes or no. And I've just always been dumb enough to ask. So I, I've been in rooms where I probably should have never been as a, you know, some kid from Lincoln County, North Carolina that had no business being in the room, but I've ended up in the room. Um, I've been in the the East Room when the President of the United States brings in the uh, Prime Minister of, of Israel for, for a meeting and a and a big brouhaha of, of fanfare and here comes the chief and all that. So, but, but that's how I got started. And then when I was in school at UNC Charlotte, I got involved in college Republicans, uh, the Helms, uh, Helms Gantt race, Harvey Gantt, former mayor of Charlotte, uh, was, was, uh, going on at that time. Uh, so they were visiting campus. Uh, Harvey Gantt was visiting campus. I was involved in college Republicans, uh, all that and volunteering, went down to CPCC to film Bill Clinton one time for the Helms campaign. When I say film, it wasn't like I was doing it on my phone. <laughs> at that time you had to have this big shoulder unit and oh, all yeah. that to do pop research, yeah. uh, and just to volunteer. And the more and more I did it, um, loved it, graduated. Waited, went back to school at Charlotte for my uh, uh, master's in public administration, got through one semester, <clears throat> got some of your listeners probably know a guy named Richard Hudson, who's now a congressman, who's mm-hmm. my buddy at, at UNC Charlotte, calls me and says, hey, Sane, um, Mayor Vinroot is thinking about running for governor. We need somebody that's, you know, Charlotte local that can pick him up, drive him all over the state and bring him back home in the evenings. Uh, would you be interested? As board of tears and master's in public administration, I said, Yes. I will do that. I'll take a semest- semester anything, off. Anything. Yeah, anything. <laughs> that semester off is still going. Uh, haven't been back yet to, to, to get back into my MPA, but but loved it. Absolutely loved uh, riding with Mayor Venru, taking him all across this state. It was, a, it was an amazing experience. It, it built my... If people remember a Rolodex, it built my Rolodex. Mm-hmm. Um, just I know I know people all over the state because of that. I'd be sitting in the room. Of course, he played for for Dean Smith. I think he I think he scored four points his whole time for for Dean and, and Mayor. If you're listening, I apologize if it was more, <laughs> but but we'll check the record. Or, or it might have been it might have been a lot more than what he actually did. I can't remember, but but we would go into Dean Smith's office and visit along the way because he still had an office on campus at, at Chapel Hill, and we would meet you know former players and we meet we just do so much. And it was just the coolest experience really right out of college to be able to get to go do. And then he lost in the primary, uh, his opponent, Robin Hayes, who later became congressman, uh, hired me as had, you know, Hey, we need somebody to help bridge the gap between the Venry people and the Hayes people. Would you, would you consider it? And then I got to work in Western North Carolina for Robin and loved it and thought, well, that was a, that was a great experience. Uh, obviously I'll always be involved in politics, but then trailed off into the private sector. Mm-hmm. And it just kept coming back to me. Then Citizens for a Sound Economy launched in North Carolina. I'm an ideologue. I'm a Jack Kemp. You know, I, I, you know, uh, 
thinker. I, 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 I like to think that, you know, his optimism is, is how I view the world uh, and, and, and Reagan's optimism. So these are my heroes, citizens for a sound economy. I mean, just reeks of what that exactly means, right? It's a, a sound economy. We want hope into the future. We want to build things for, for, for future generations that are better than what we have today. So I got to do that. I uh, was a field director there, still involved in politics, then worked a little bit at the bank and, and, you know, just did different things in my life journey. And then lo and behold, 2008 comes as I have been working for a trucking company, family owned Trump uh, trucking company, uh, economy tanks. Uh, I get let go looking for work. Um, end up as I'm looking and unemployed, I, they asked me if I'd consider running as the party chairman in Lincoln County. I said, yeah, you know, I've got nothing else to do. Uh, it would, it would be fun to do. I was volunteering as a fireman and, and doing studies and fire studies and, and, and getting my fire science degree, maybe going to become a fireman. Uh, and then got, got, got involved as the party chairman. And at that time, my legislator, uh, resigned from his seat because he had moved from Lincoln County to Gaston County to his wife's, uh, homestead. And so, um, they, we had to find someone to replace him. And for a couple of weeks, we were looking, no one could get the votes within our committee. Everybody had little pockets of support, but no one had all the support. And then members of the committee came to me and said, would you consider doing it? We can't, we can't get to a resolution here. And so I did, got the votes. I got appointed. Wasn't sure how long I'd stay. Um, I thought, well, I'll, you know, maybe this will help me get to my next job, if nothing else. Uh, wife was certainly supportive. We met in, in political science classes at UNC Charlotte uh, in, a, in a class called Politics and Film, where I'd steal her popcorn that she would bring because on, on every Tuesday we'd watch the movie and on every Thursday we'd discuss it. Mm-hmm. And Star and, Wars mixed in. Yeah, Star Wars was mixed into it, actually. <laughs> Good. Uh, and Dr. Steer. And uh, so he shout out to him. Great, great professor, very liberal, um, very conservative. It was, uh, but, but still to this day, a great friend. Uh, learned a lot from him. And um, um, just, just loves the idea of, of, you know, maybe I get to go serve. I didn't think that's that, that, that was something I was going to do until maybe later in life. I wasn't thinking of myself as a candidate. I uh, got to fill out a full year of, of Jonathan Ryan's term and then run for reelection fairly easily won reelection. And then the rest is kind of history to, 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 until today. I, uh, I, I became a, a appropriations chairman over information technology. Uh, Tom Tillis, our, our U.S. Senator, was Speaker of the House at that time. Mm-hmm. He's a tech guy. He said, hey, you're a tech guy. Can you figure this out? We need someone who understands bigger picture tech policy. Uh, so we created the committee. So I was the first ever chairman of that. Uh, it, it at that time was handling about $1.6 billion in spend in North Carolina. Uh, so huge responsibility. Then by the time I'm a sophomore, I become the senior finance chairman for, for then speaker Tim Moore. As he had just become speaker. We'd been friends in college. We knew each other through North Carolina student legislature. Um, so ironically, how we met was how we started working together. We mm-hmm. were still doing legislative things. Um, so I became his finance chairman, which oversaw all tax policy in North Carolina and led the way on tax reform, which was huge. Again, I told you, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Jack Kemp guy. I'm a, I'm a Art, Dr. Art Laffer, you know, Laffer curve economist, you know, walk. Yeah. And to have this opportunity to look at my home state and to see how we could reshape how we look at tax and tax reform in North Carolina to be better than any other state. We're the number one state uh, in the nation for, for doing business right now. That's, that's not my numbers. That's someone else's. Yeah, that's the a fact. Yep. 
So to be able to, to be a huge part of that and to play a role there and to really guide policy, I think it's been one of the greatest things that I've been able to do as far as self-satisfaction. And then the real satisfaction is when you're bringing in companies like, um, you know, uh, Wolf Speed, chip manufacturer, Toyota, their battery plant, which I think I did an aerial tour the other day, and I know that's going to be more than a battery plant. They're just not saying what it's going to be, but you can look at that and know it's mm-hmm. massive. Mm-hmm. Um, the business that comes to Charlotte, the business that comes to this region, to know that that you have a part in that and, and that my son has a future here in this state, whereas when I went into office, we were sitting at 11% unemployment in my district. Wow. And now we're essentially at full employment. Uh, to know that I've had a part in that is is something that that is where I get real job satisfaction. No, that's that's incredibly rewarding. And it, I mean, full disclosure, I moved here in 2011, um, and and it was shortly after that when the when the tax rates started to change in terms of uh, income tax and um, what you all have accomplished here in the last oh, decade plus is incredible. Thank you. Thank you. It, it really is. I mean, our story is a story that should be told. I, I, don't, I don't think we, we tell it enough. I agree. Uh, we're, we're humble people, but we, you've seen it. You, you know exactly what has happened. Yeah, you, you've, you've lived it. And, and to know where we were when I first went into office and, and quite frankly, as, as going in as someone who was unemployed. Well, I cut it because I knew that the way to get people to work is not by paying them money not to work. Right. Uh, that's how jobs get created. And that's the other side of that, that, that argument. And when we started doing that, we saw that, that unemployment rate start to reduce dramatically. Mm-hmm. People went back to work. There's, and we became the number one state to bring your business. Come, do jo- come bring your jobs. Come go to work. Come, come raise a family. Um, you, know, we're, you know, people aren't leaving Illinois and California because they're doing it right. There, there's something, there's, there's something going on there. There's something that's going on there. And look, and there's yeah. a stark lesson for our local leaders. Yeah. Uh, look at, look at San Francisco. I, I hear Councilman Bakari, uh, you know, in his stump speech when he's running this last time talk about it, but he's absolutely correct. If you don't like the way that Atlanta looks, if you don't like what's happening in San Francisco or Chicago, don't mimic what they do. Right. And all too often, our local leaders start to mimic that because it becomes a national narrative. It's, it's like the only playbook they've got. We don't have to do that. We can, we can do so much better. And our state has done it on a state level. We can do it on a, on a local and municipal level as well. Yeah, no, agreed. Agreed. Um, during your during your time as as an elected official, has there anything that sort of changed you or changed your perspective on things a little like once you became elected? you're Oh, OK, I, I get that. I see why we do that now. Or let's change that. Let's make that this way instead, because I'm, I'm tired of doing the same old. Yeah, I mean, a number of things. I, I think if you go into this and 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 you you deal in absolutes, and you're you're absolutely incorrect, right? <laughs> I, I, I think I think there's. I'm gonna use that. Yeah, well, okay. I mean, you you have to you have to consider what's before you at the time, right? It's it's, it's kind of like um, we do JDIG and 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 um, uh, job development uh, uh, grants to to bring uh, jobs into North Carolina, um, you know, from a commerce side of things. And as the finance chairman, I've dealt a long time on economic development. I'm still the economic development and global empowerment chairman or whatever we call that committee, but it basically deals with getting business here and what our business climate looks like. Um, I would have said before, no, no government handouts. There's no reason to be trying to attract business with government money. Uh, I do believe that we do too much of that in a lot of respects, but we have to remain competitive and right. until other states unilaterally disarm and decide they're not going to do it. Then we're, we are 
simply saying we're not going to be in the game if, if we're not doing that. So what I would like to do is find ways to be more creative, find ways by lowering tax rates versus just handing out government dollars. You know, just saying, here's money to come here and and, and bring your business. That, that doesn't do it because uh, that's not how you keep the business. Because if that's all you're doing, they're going to go to the next state, the next state, and the next state. Um what we have to do, and, and where I where I've really not just changed philosophically, I think you have to have the you know certainly have the the the, the care to get them here, but then it's the environment that you create after that. So that that's one one place where I think I've evolved. I don't know that I changed my mind as much as I evolved on my thinking on mm-hmm. it because I just didn't know what I didn't know. Um, you know, from that to to solar energy and how we look at uh, policy, I think there's a, a smart way to do that. It doesn't have to be government subsidies, but there's a great way to make uh, environment better for businesses that you want to attract. Um, higher education, uh, very near and dear to me. Uh, like I say, I went to NC State, graduated in NC Charlotte. Uh, I have a, a second degree that I got online in fire science when I was trying to become a firefighter. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, how we learn, how we look at things. Um, I, I guess I probably would have told you like most, you got to be in the classroom. I, I, you know, pandemic has taught us one thing. Uh, yeah, there's certainly some failures out there from online learning, but there's a lot of wins too. Uh, there's a lot of, I mean, even online meetings. When I got to the legislature in 2011, yeah. you know, I, I looked at this brick on my desk and it was an outdated laptop. And I said, who's this that? Like, well, that's yours representative. I said, well, that's not mine. I got something far more advanced than that thing sitting on my desk. I'll bring my own. But, but, to have the idea of even having a online meeting was a foreign concept to legislators. Oh no, we have to do it here. We have to do it in person. That's our rules. Right. And I just, I was dumb enough to raise my hand and ask the question. <laughs> Don't we change the <laughs> that, rules? That's how change happens. Though, right. right? <laughs> so, so we finally started because of the pandemic started having online committee meetings, but look, it's about saving taxpayers dollars. I mean, every meeting was conducted that way in the state before you don't have to do that. I mean, we had we had state employees driving from, you know, the far reaches of the West, the far reaches of the East to, to attend a meeting in Raleigh that they had to by, by whatever regulation or law that we had passed when they could just as easily do it and save taxpayers dollars and reimbursement, save them time. They could spend more time with their families and those type of things. So really, I mean, honestly, just thinking outside of the box. Every day is a new day to find new ways and new opportunities to do things. And to, and look, we are a laboratory of democracy. We, it, you know, the founders, I think, were smart enough to say each state can do it their way. Um, to be in a state where where I'm able to to lead policy in that matter, where we can get to new places. One, one of the bills that I that I championed in, in 2017 was our 5G bill. And you, you think about 5G on your iPad or your phone and, you know, and, and certainly sitting in downtown Charlotte, it, we have a 5G connection just about anywhere we go. Right. Well, just in 2017, that wasn't the case. We, we, we wrote a bill. We looked at 10 other states and what they had done, and they had done it wrong. They had, they had set up all these rules, all these regulations. Uh, municipalities were looking at uh, 5G towers as cash cows, way to extract money out of your providers. I said, no, let's, let's, let's find a pathway that can get them there as efficiently as possible with respect to neighborhoods and be, be kind to them, but not let government get hung up in, in preventing the technologies coming to our, our place. Right. Um, Charlotte, one of, the, one of the first beneficiaries of that legislation was Charlotte and Raleigh. Uh, because that's where, the, you know, capitalism flows to where it's treated best. And we set up rules and regulations that said, hey, we're going to put a shot clock. Municipalities, you can't hold on to this thing for two and three and four years. You've got, I think it was 60 days to make a decision. This, this, this 
technology has now been deployed all across the region. So it wasn't just about downtown Charlotte. When I sit on Friday afternoons in, on my boat on Lake Norman, which is my office for the day mm-hmm. in, in, in warm weather, and I love it, but I can stare. I've got a 5G connection. I can work from my iPad. I can make all the phone calls I need to do in a remote place such as a cove on Lake Norman. That is amazing to think where we were in 2017 when the technology wasn't even really here right. till today. Yep. And if you've got if you've got thought leaders who want to push boundaries and who want to fight, who want who who will say we're not going to do it the way we've always done it because that is the definition of insanity. We're going to be thoughtful. We're not just going to try the, the latest, greatest thing that, that some government bureaucrats somewhere in Washington, D.C. handed to us. We're, we're going to experiment. When you do those type of things, you really see growth and you really see opportunities start to happen for your people. And what does that say in terms of the outcome for your quality, quality of life, too? Oh, it just says everything. Friday on your boat. At you're fr- working. Friday on my boat. I'm getting I, I am a lot more efficient during the week when I know that my reward is at the end of the week. Right. I get to be on my boat. Right. But even while I'm taking my reward, I'm, I'm being efficient. I'm getting the work done. I'm calling constituents back. I'm working with my own personal business that I have because spoiler alert. Being in the legislature doesn't pay you a whole lot of money, so you still have to have a side hustle. Uh-huh. Uh, but I get to do all that, and and you know, and then on the weekends too, take my family out, be on the boat, do those type of things. It, it's everything about quality of life. When you when you think things through and think them to the end, look, Charlotte, city of Charlotte was one of the biggest uh, uh, entities we had to battle in this legislation. The League of Municipalities was a real hindrance to this legislation. Yep. Oh, they, I mean, I had to go through seven committees in the Senate, I think five in the House, and got to hear over and over again how this was essentially going to be the the death knell to municipalities and even had some you know um, tinfoil hatters show up talking about radio waves and about all the cancer it was going to cause and just just this false narrative and and but I thought the fight was right because I knew what the technology meant I'm a technology person by trade so I understood it probably better than the average legislator yeah but I knew at the end of it, if we got there, we would lead the nation in investment in 5G. Pull up a 5G map. Look at any provider. If you don't think I'm right, pull it up. You, you can find it on the Internet. What is what is amazing about that? And a, and a real, you know, again, self-satisfaction for me is that the FCC, uh, Chairman Michael Carr on the FCC looked at our legislation. We worked with his office so that the FCC could mimic our legislation. So that's where the state government provided a solution that the federal government then used. Uh, it doesn't happen often. No, it but, doesn't. But that's what happened. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah. And, and to have been a part of that is just, um, and, you know, you, you get a lot of satisfaction doing that. People talk about going to Washington, D.C. You know, um, we right now in my district, we, we've got a congressman who's retiring, a longtime friend. Uh, he's leaving. We're looking for a congressman. I've gotten calls. But, you know, part of it is, is I'm not sure the answers are in Washington, D.C., I know what we get to do in the state of North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, they're in gridlock. They can't even pick a speaker these days, right? right. Uh, we, we've already done that, and we haven't even got into the next session, uh, by the way, because mm. uh, we learned the lesson from them. Fact. Uh, but, you know, we, we that to me, you know, unless we're sending people up there who are going to be innovators of change, then then we're, 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 we're doomed to the same old thing. But in North Carolina— I know that we are much different. We have done so much. And I say we, it's it's not one person. Nobody does anything at the legislature by themselves. Uh, I worked on the sports betting bill, which is huge to the city of Charlotte and the region right. uh, because we were losing money to our neighbors. Um, that was a very much, very much a bipartisan effort. Uh, it was very important to the, the Charlotte Hornets, to the uh, Carolina Panthers, uh, to all of our professional teams, uh, even to the golf tournament. 
I just saw something where one of the one of the uh, providers is going to going to uh, partner for the, for yeah. the big golf tournament. I saw right? that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but that didn't happen because we sat back and said we're just going to do it the, the way we've always done it, or because somebody wasn't willing to take some arrows and get beat up over it. I mean, you know, I, I, I just check Twitter. It's always fun to. to I, I learn so <laughs> much about X? myself every day, right? X. Uh, yeah, X, that's right. <laughs> I, I check X every day so I can learn more about me personally, um, but. <laughs> But it, but it is amazing the people that will tell you no yeah. and that it can't be done. Yeah. And then to, to have partners who will go along with you and, and trust in you enough because you built that rapport over a number of years to actually move policy forward and to change things. To me, that is, that is some of the most exciting things we can do, particularly as a, as a part-time legislator, and, and to see the results of that. And, and you know, I, again, I, I think that one of the, one, philosophically, one of the best things that we can do is just get government out of the way. I believe in people. I believe people can innovate if you if you allow them to have the right tools. If if you give them the right runway, they'll get that plane off the ground. I promise you. Mm-hmm. And that that to me, from from what we've been able to accomplish as a state over the last twelve years that I've been in office, has been the most fun part about it. And we don't get to talk about it a lot. You can tell I'm excited about it. No, I I love it. I and, love the passion. Well, and I, you know, and and there are other legislators out there that are just as passionate. Now there's mm-hmm. some that are just there to push a button. Mm-hmm. Granted, not everybody can 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 be the uh, you know uh, ringleader in the in the room. So we we need good people with some good understanding and good backgrounds. When we've got very different backgrounds there at the legislature. But for those that, that are on fire for what they get to do, that is some of the most fun um, professional work opportunities I've ever had because you're really, you really can see uh, what you've done. When, when I talked about that aerial view of, of, of uh, Toyota and uh, Wolfspeed and Vinfast, uh, did that in a helicopter a couple of weeks ago with two other legislators. When you see that, and, and actually rose out of Chatham Park to do it, that's where the helicopter was parked. I read the bill for Chatham Park. Well, I don't live anywhere near Chatham Park. It's not my district. But those who were developing said, I think this guy gets it. Mm-hmm. And they had tried it before in the legislative session before it failed, because the guy that was running the bill, quite frankly, didn't get it. Yeah. Um, I worked with Robert Rees, who's our minority leader, who does represent that district. Uh, he and I agreed on that. We figured a way to do it. Um, it. We are putting homes and development and really just cutting edge stuff into a new neighborhood in what is essentially a field out in in, in south, southeastern North Carolina and building so much opportunity. When we talk about Disney, I think they just said that they're going to partner with Disney uh, to build part of the neighborhood because they were imagining new things. It's yeah. not just the same old neighborhood. Yeah. That wouldn't happen if we just said, well, we're going to do it the way we've always done it. The, the rules that are in place are, 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 are good for everybody. And we're going to stick to whatever that rule is and, and not think outside the box. They thought outside the box. We gave them the permission to do so as a legislature. Not that they needed my permission, except for the fact that they did need our permission. <laughs> uh, so we, we let them do also that. A fact. Yeah. And we let <laughs> them do that. And and there's so much wealth and opportunity and quality of life coming to that region right now. And it will only attract more jobs. The reason we took off from Chatham Park is because it's the thing that was nearest to those mega sites, right? And so all these new jobs, all these new opportunities, all these high paying jobs uh, for, for people who are in North Carolina right now, new opportunity and all the opportunities that will grow out of that will come with that. It, it is just amazing to see. And I think that is that you can point to that as one of our biz, big, biggest successes. Um, the bill I ran had to do with uh, something in the title about critical infrastructure. I had a member of the, of the General Assembly stand up and ask, actually ask me the question. Remember, there are no dumb questions, just dumb legislators. And, <laughs> and they asked me, well, what is exactly does the member mean by 
critical infrastructure, to which my reply was, and a little irritated, I said, well, it's infrastructure that is critical. <laughs> and drop the mic, right? And drop the mic. It is a mic drop. I mean, how hard is it, man? Uh, it's not that hard. What he was really wanting me to do is explain it more. So yeah. I'll, I'll give him a little little credit, but yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to get the bill passed. Sure. Uh, but but you you look at the way we think through things, and 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 if we really take them to, to full thought, what it can mean for a region, what it can mean for a state, what we can do. Uh, if, if, you know, the, the people that you represent in your business model, if we say, hey, look, we want to be good partners with you. It doesn't mean that we it's the wild, wild west, that you can just go do anything you want. No, I don't think anybody wants that. No one's asking for that. But if, but if we if we start every day with thinking that we're going to we're going to create something good here, that's the mission. However we get there, we'll figure that out. Uh, then our state will just continue to grow. We'll knock the socks off of everybody. I mean, again, those those companies and when we're recruiting companies out of Texas. Yeah. That's big. It says a lot. And we're doing that. And, you know, I, I, we've got a governor sometimes that criticizes the legislature and what we do. And uh, look, we're not above criticism. On, I'm not saying we get it right every time. But uh, when he criticizes on economic development policy, I just got to chuckle because he's yet to to say no to ribbon cutting. Right. Uh, he's always here to welcome new companies to North Carolina. Um, and, and look, and I'm glad to partner with him on those things. And we partnered on sports betting and some of the other things. So sure. I'm not going to be hyper partisan. Right. We don't have to be. Uh, and that's really just the point. State legislatures, most 90 percent of what we do is not partisan. Uh, but but if you're willing to work with your, your colleagues, whether they be within your own party or on the other side of the aisle, but you, you've you've laid out a good reason to do what we're going to do, then we get to a good place. And 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 then I can you know I can always go back whenever I'm done with, with doing what I'm doing, or the voters say I'm done. Uh, and at least can point to we we had a big impact and, and we moved this state forward. And I think that's all any any local official should be thinking about, any state official or any any national official for that matter. They they ought to be thinking like. Is it going to be better than when I found it? And if we can answer that question with an affirmative yes, then we're in the right place. It's all about the outcome and the trend line is going in the right direction. Absolutely. For sure. Um, Chairman saying I could talk to you all afternoon, heck, all, all weekend. In fact, let me come join you in your boat tomorrow. Maybe. Let's do it. We'll, uh, It'll be a little chilly, <laughs> we'll but let's do it. Day. That's okay. <laughs> um, thank you so much for your time. Uh, just on a parting note, you you, you kind of talked about uh, our, our members and, and uh, you started to talk about some of the things. What can we do to, to support your efforts to continue to make North Carolina a great place um, and, and do things the right way? What, what, Rob, that's, that is a great question. I'm glad you asked it because I'd, I'd really be remiss if we didn't talk about it. One of the one of the things, and you know very well, there's a reason I'm sitting here in the studio having this conversation is because we have a relationship. Yes. Uh, you, you all have been great about keeping that relationship, not just a one-off when there's some big issue comes before the legislature. That's not a relationship. That's a, that's a call for help. Um, what happens though, when you have that relationship, when you maintain that contact like you do and, and, and what you do in your newsletter and how you're out in our communities and, and, and having the two-way conversation, I think that is, that is one of the best things you can do is knowing, knowing the decision makers, as, as I always say, you can be a dinner guest or you can be the dinner and, <laughs> and that's, that's, it's up to you. But, but, but when people come to me and they're mad about some legislation or something like that, and they've never engaged, uh, it, you, I mean, it seems simple, but it's almost as if you got to start with a, a simple civics lesson. Uh, you're already doing that. So I think your members, your members know that they understand the value in having that because you know, at, at any point in time, any legislator can file a bill with any crazy idea or great idea. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and they vary from bill to bill uh, that could impact 
what it is that you're doing, how, how you, how you make wealth, how you, how you create value, how you, you know, provide a quality of life in, in, in this region and really throughout the state. If you don't have that relationship, if, if something gets filed and it's maybe some bad mojo and, and really could tank the economy or maybe tank your personal business economy, um, it's hard to jumpstart a relationship. So I think, think having that opportunity to interface, mm-hmm. you know, we did the luncheon not that long ago here yeah. with, with some other uh, colleagues in the Senate uh, and, and uh, Destin Hall in the House. I mean, just just the opportunity to have those type of, of interactions, uh, both here at home and in Raleigh. You know, Raleigh's three hours away from my district. Uh, I don't see that many people that come from, from my district uh, to Raleigh. But those who do get a front row seat at the action. Mm-hmm. And, and I think they understand a lot more once they see it. So I always encourage people, please take take one day out of 365 and just see what happens at the legislature and try to understand it a little bit better. And you might understand your legislator a little better. And you might understand the process a little better. But that, but that long answer to a, to a very simple question, it, it is the relationship building and the maintenance of that relationship. And if we have that, uh, I, I think you can't go wrong. Um, I, I think it makes it so much easier to have those tough conversations. Well, Jason Sane, thank you so much for getting real with Rob today. I appreciate your time. Yes, sir, Rob. Thank you. I I like getting real with you, man. (laughs) Thank you. you. All right. Thank you for listening to Getting Real with Rob. This podcast is produced by the Real Estate and Building Industry Coalition in Charlotte, North Carolina. Learn more about us at rebic.com. That's R-E-B-I-C dot com. We'll talk to you next time.